Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 11 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello Hypnosis friends and a warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again in my own highly biased opinion I think I have a beautifully velvet lined plush gem of a show lined up for you today. Hypnosis Weekly embraces innovation today. In a short while I'll be sharing with you an interview with the singing hypnotist Mr Christopher Green. Then I'll be looking at the hypnosis in the news stories examining the media where hypnosis has featured. I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary on the ways hypnosis is portrayed in the media, but also comment on some of the content of those media stories. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest Christopher Green this week. I shall be exploring the singing hypnotist stage show as it is today, how it was conceived, the mechanics of the performance, and popping the bonnet of some fascinating aspects of this currently unique hypnosis performance approach. We'll round things off with the hypnosis factoid of the week before I bid you farewell for another week. This podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. You can add your thoughts, comments and make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the Hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. So first of all, today, this week's interview. BBC Radio 4 recently said, Christopher Green, aka The Singing Hypnotist, is reinventing the stage hypnotism routine for the modern age. I met Chris Green earlier this year, while we were both presenting at a conference, the brilliant Change Phenomena Conference in central London. I managed to grab a few moments with him where I could and ask him about incredibly important stuff, like how he styles his hair so beautifully. Um, heck, he is a simply excellent, incredibly handsome advertisement for us men with red hair. I also got to sneak into his sound testing where I started turning into a teenage girl at a One Direction concert. His performance was one I found to be moving, uh, refreshing and beautiful. I was delighted when he accepted my invitation to be part of this podcast. We'll look at and explore the singing hypnotist in more depth later, and I'll talk about my experience of him later too. For now, get comfy, turn up the volume, sip on your tea, and enjoy this week's interview. So, as I've been discussing, I'm thrilled to be able to introduce my guest this week, Mr. Christopher Green. Chris, welcome. Hello. Hi. It's great to be here chatting with you. Um, um, now, we're going to roll our sleeves up, get stuck straight in. Um, mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about your background. You know, How did you get into uh, the, the field of hypnosis at all? And how have you arrived at, at where you are now with it? Well, um, I'm a performer and writer, and I've been sort of making up my own stuff, my own odd little view of the world for uh, for a few years now. Um, uh, but I, uh, well, my first experience of hypnosis was uh, because I had a bird phobia, and I didn't really know what to do about it, and it just got worse and worse and worse, and I ended up Googling and downloaded an MP3, listened to it, and it totally worked. <laughs> <laughs> and for something that was kind of very much affecting my life, um, to, do, uh, to have such a huge effect so 
quickly, I was really shocked by it. And so I went along and um, I thought I needed to find out more about it. So I did a one day course, uh, an introduction to hypnosis, um, to hypnotherapy with uh, Donald Robertson. And um, I was just completely excited by it and thrilled by it. And I, at first it didn't seem to be anything to do with my work, just something I was interested in. And then um, as I did more study, I, I thought, well, of course, you know, performance is intricately linked with hypnosis. And I began to see how there might be a way of me combining um, my interest and fascination with a sort of performative element. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I did a, a diploma with um, in uh, clinical hypnotherapy um, and then and I and I studied some conventional stage hypnosis and slowly over the years I've combined them so that's how I've come at hypnosis and so you know when you obviously we're going to talk about the singing hypnotist later on yeah. um, um, but you know when people are volunteering for your performances or you know if you get cornered uh, at a party or if you're asked to explain hypnosis um, you know, what, what do you say? How do you define hypnosis? And perhaps you could give us an idea of how you arrived at this definition. Well, I've tried to strip it down as much as possible because um, because there's been a lot of people over the years invested in making hypnosis as complicated as possible, it yeah. seems to me. Um, and, you know, throwing as many smoke, as much smoke and as many mirrors in as they possibly can. I like the idea that you strip it right down. So at the beginning of my show, I do make it as complicated as, a, as I can. And then I really end up with the notion of this very simple construction of how would it be if... And that's all hypnosis is, that somebody, through um, the power of, of, su- of suggestion, um, just helps somebody to come around to the thought process of how would it be if, how would it be if you weren't afraid, how would it be if you felt capable of doing something, how would it be if you felt happy, you know, yeah. simple construction. So I've probably gone too far in, my, in simplifying it, but, uh, but that's what it's... No, no, not at all. I, I love that. I love that. Um, I'm... And, and you know, how was that? Has that just been influenced by by yourself and your own exploration, or have there been some some other influences upon you and and your work um, as far as the the hypnosis side of things are concerned? You know, have there been a, uh, some books or some authors that have taught you, some teachers that have been influential upon you? I think I was really lucky because um, I did a lot of my early study, as I said, with Donald Robertson, who I, yeah. and I really liked him. We just absolutely got on and he kind of talked a lot about performance. So that was that was great for me. And um, so he, he sort of led me down that, that, that whole route of looking at um, philosophers and, um, uh, you know, taking that kind of approach to it. And then and then mindfulness. And once yeah. I got into mindfulness, that really opened up a lot of doors for me personally. And I suppose that how would it be if is a very in the moment kind of notion. You know, can you cope with the pain right now? Can you cope with this moment right now? Um, and from there into into Buddhism. So I've been doing a lot of study study of Buddhism personally in the last few years. And so I suppose hypnosis was. It's, I now think of it as the kind of first stage in my exploration of all those things and they've all informed my personal practice and and the show great great um I mean, you know for, for people listening you know if 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 i were being interviewed and the same questions were being asked of me i would also be citing uh, donald robertson as one of my major influences mm. um when he uh, uh when he um um, moved to Canada, you know, I considered it a, a, a serious personal loss and loss to the field of uh, UK hypnotherapy, in my opinion. Um, if anybody gets the opportunity to uh, go grab some of his books, please do, because they are fabulous. Um, yeah. Now, it, within your own um, exploration and within um, the field of hypnosis, what have been some of the more impressive applications that, that you've witnessed, some of the more um, um, things that have, that have really convinced you of, of hypnosis and, and, and what it does and how it does it? Um, well, <laughs> I think in those first kind of um, 
uh, study days that I went to with Donald, not we're making it all about him, but yeah. uh, he, what I liked about him is he's, he's very um, intellectual and very, you know, um, theoretical, but he, he doesn't mind if you sort of show off your tricks. And, um, and, and he definitely did some rapid inductions. Um, and I was, I was like, I want to be able to do that. Yeah, I want to make someone just slump over really, really, really quickly, and um, you know, tricks or, or whatever they are. You know, I, I liked I liked the idea of that. So if you, if you want the moments where I sort of had that kind of heart rush of like, oh, that's really good. I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was in those early days watching watching him that um, that that kind of really inspired me. Great. Um, and then I think. A, Above and beyond that, um, just talking to lots of people who've had, it, it, I suppose, the other end of the scale, the other end of the spectrum, is sort of had very profound experiences of, of big shifts in their lives just from, you know, a handful of sessions of, of hypnotherapy. And I come across a lot of people when I've done shows, they want to come and tell me that. And, yeah. and I find that very moving that they sort of ascribe, um, yeah, like I say, a huge shift in their life to something remarkably straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, I mean, beautifully said. Um, tell me, tell me then. Um, you know, we're, we're going to discuss you know hypnosis very much as 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 an art form, I, I guess. Um, 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 when we discuss the singing hypnosis later on, and I suppose that some people at the other end of the spectrum m m might suggest that this is a bit of a sobering and a far cry from such applications. And what are your thoughts about the sort of evidence-based approaches to hypnosis? Um, I think we, we, you know, we live in an age where, um, rightly so, in most cases, we want, you know, we want hard evidence and um, uh, and sort of peer-reviewed journals and all this kind of stuff. And but I don't know how much most of us really ever get into the nitty-gritty of it. Do you know what I mean? We sort yeah, of want, absolutely. We want to read, you know, a little bit of what looks like hard facts and then go, oh yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? So. Um, uh, yeah, I think we sort of, we all think that we want a, a deep level of kind of, you know, solid, reliable um, uh, evidence. And this might sound a bit wishy-washy, but ultimately you, could, you can read all you like. And yes, and yes, of course, we need, um, we need peer-reviewed journals, we need empirical studies and all this kind of stuff. But ultimately, especially with something so personal, um, we you have to experience it in the in the laboratory of yourself, don't you? And um, yeah, I get that absolutely. Keep an open mind, you know, and, and and go into something and think, well, this sounds like it might work. You know, there's evidence that it has worked, but you know, I'll be the judge of that. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely. Um, um. One of the things you said there, I find really interesting as well, because I always, um, with my own research, I always love it when I um, stumble upon a meta-analysis, for example, because it means that someone else has done all the all, all mm. the exploration on my on my part, and we can just go and read about it. Um, yeah. um, so tell us then, um, where can people where can people go and learn more about 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 your work about about your, your, your about the singing hypnotist, for example. Um, well, there's um, I, on my website. There's a, a brief introduction to the huge range of things that I do, and the sort of scatterbrained approach I have to my work. Um, and there's there's a singing hypnotist page there. And I'm this project is is a really uh, it's very different from anything anything else I've done, any other piece of work I've done, because I'm taking it really slowly, and I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, so I'd love to be able to say to people, yes, I'm taking this out on tour, and I'll be doing a seven-month tour of the UK next year. But sure. I'm not. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing some dates in London, doing a big show in London in the in the spring, and um, and then a, the occasional thing here and there. And you know, it's really it's really exciting to to do it that way. Um, but there's there's various things online, uh, so there's stuff to watch. And maybe a good place if if people are interested is um, a lot of this. Research. A lot of the research happened because I was at the British Library. I was artist in residence at the British Library. Yeah. At the end of that year-long residency, I did a presentation at the library, and it's a collection of um, sketches and songs and thoughts and 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 a straightforward presentation of of my findings. And 
that is the basis of what became the singing hypnotist. And I think people who are interested in hypnosis would find a lot of a lot to interest them there. Oh, great. Well, what we'll do is we'll put some um, we'll put some some links um, that, that 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 will show that there'll be some links for all of these things that Chris is mentioning here um, on this episode uh, of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Um, um, thank you very much that, for that, Chris, for that, 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 that sort of introduction to who and how you are. Um, we'll be back with uh, Christopher Green, the singing hypnotist, and really explore the singing hypnotist in just a short while. More from Chris shortly. For now, let's look at this week's hypnosis in the news. First up this week, Reese Witherspoon hired hypnotherapist for raw sex scenes in Wild. That's the title of this uh, article that I'm referring to. I'll repeat the title again. Reese Witherspoon hired hypnotherapist for raw sex scenes in Wild. The title has you believe one thing, doesn't it? Yet, when you examine the entire article, this is what it says regarding hypnosis. During these truthful and raw sex scenes, Vogue claims the Oscar winner hired a hypnotist to help her relax before shooting began. That's it. That's the only mention of hypnosis. Now, this is a classic example of hypnosis, hypnotherapy being used to sensationalize a story. Remember the title of the article, Reese Witherspoon hired hypnotherapist for raw sex scenes in Wild. It's also an example of how language is used to garner a certain response. The word sex being used too, for example. If only they'd used the words chocolate or free, they'd have had the full shebang. Though the omission of the words Garmin running watch meant that I was not as impressed as their typical reader, I suspect. I'm delighted that hypnosis gets the good press and that Reese Witherspoon derived some benefit and gain from the use of hypnosis, yet the use of hypnosis in the title tends to be used for eliciting a particular response that the website seems to want. Our second story this week is one that I'm delighted to flag. A couple of UK tabloids have been featuring a lot of horror stories about large spiders recently. And at this time of year when spiders are most visible and out in such numbers here in the UK, it's very topical to discuss them. So in an article in the Daily Express entitled, Spiders are just looking for a place to stay. It shows hypnotherapy used as part of an initiative to help beat arachnophobia at Bristol and London zoos. These zoos offer a course which includes hypnotherapy and then you get the chance to come face to face with large spiders. I think it's a marvellous scheme and I hope more people take it up. You know, I hope it's a good success. Now then, our final story this week is in the Daily Mail newspaper. Ahem. They have a column entitled Ask the Doctor. The question this week was can anything shift a stubborn Veruca? Now, the full question that the doctor was asked is this. My 44-year-old daughter has had a painful Veruca on her heel for many years. She has tried a number of treatments, including lasers, freezing, and even hypnotherapy, but all have proved fruitless. I would love to help her as she has suffered for so long. Is there anything you can suggest? Now, hypnosis gets rather short thrift in this doctor's response. The only thing he says in his comprehensive reply is this. It may be cheering to know that in two-thirds of cases, the Verrucas simply clear up on their own. That is why hypnotherapy may appear to be effective, even though there is absolutely no evidence it works. So yeah, in his big comprehensive answer, that's the only reference he makes to hypnotherapy, which was mentioned in the question. That's it. Thank you, Dr. Martin Skur. There is no position available for you in the PR team at Hypnotherapy HQ. Agreed, though, there is not much evidence to support using hypnosis directly for the removal of verrucas. But there is exceptional evidence for using it to remove warts. Replicated impressive evidence. Just go and research Spanos's 1990 study, for example, where suggestion with hypnosis outperformed the control group and medication. 
There is also some evidence to support other applications of hyp using hypnosis with certain skin conditions. Therefore, I think that it makes sense to consider hypnosis in this case and credit it more so than it is here by the doctor being asked. Links to all these stories are listed under this week's podcast entry on www.hypnosis-weekly.com. That's hypnosisweekly with a hyphen in the middle.com. Next up, we have this week's discussion. The singing hypnotist uses songs to heal, transform and leave members of the audience empowered with a sense of self-belief. As it states on his website, it's a combination of clinical hypnotherapy, stage hypnosis, original music and good old-fashioned showbiz. And it is a result of Christopher Green's research that he conducted as part of being the first artist in residence at the British Library in 2013 and was supported by the Wellcome Trust. During and after my own experience of the singing hypnotist performance, I was uplifted in a way that no other stage hypnosis performance has affected me before and I've seen a lot of stage hypnosis shows in my time. I'd love to tell you more about it, the show itself, its specifics, what it was that really moved me, but I don't want to pre-empty any element of it for those who ever choose to attend the show. But I think this discussion is going to help you get a flavour of it and understand some of the principles that make it so engaging and enjoyable for the audience. I telephoned my wife directly after watching the performance uh, that, that I had experienced and told her that I could not wait to bring her to see this show. And I still cannot wait to do that. I think you'll find this week's discussion with Chris Green absolutely fascinating and illuminating. I know that I certainly did. Enjoy. So I'm back now with uh, Christopher Green and uh, you know I've made some references here to the singing hypnotist and I've, I've already talked about my own experience of the singing hypnotist which is which which absolutely thrilled me um, um and, and we're going to explore that a bit today because there's, there's lots of things about it that i think would really benefit any of you regular listeners um chris before before we sort of get you know pop the bonnet so to speak can you tell us a bit about what and who is the singing hypnotist well, uh, in his current incarnation, he he's he's me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which might sound like a very simple statement to make, uh, but for me as a performer, that that was quite a long journey um, for me to let go. Oh, I can, I, I it, it can just be me. It doesn't need to be a character. I'm I'm primarily a character performer. Um, so the singing hypnotist simply is the first person to sing people into a state of hypnosis and um it's it, it's quite a straightforward process really yeah, yeah. Um, and i sing a variety of songs some are sort of illustrative some are um uh, uh, some talk about you know the the notion of giving up power surrendering control all those kind of things some are sort of quite decorative things about you know figures from the history of hypnosis and then there's a central section which is a classic uh, stage hypnosis routine. It lasts about 10 minutes and it's all sung through. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's very similar to things that, that most people will be familiar with from, from both kind of um, hypnotherapy demonstrations and from standard stage hypnosis of asking for two or three volunteers, getting them up, um, an induction into deepness, and then, you know, a kind of um, demonstration that, that, that they are uh, in a state of hypnosis and then bringing them out and sending them back to their chairs you yeah. know uh, but it's all sung through and yeah. I worked with that with um, Anthony Jacquin who, uh, who I, I know you know and he yeah. um, uh, because we I, I had a bunch of songs and I was really happy with the whole singing hypnotist um, character and but I kept saying to him I really want to to get to the meat of it and um, and so he helped me kind of um, work on that piece and it's probably like the hardest piece of music I've ever written um, and and in a lot of ways the most rewarding because it really works <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean I, I've seen that myself um, um, so so is there any more to how the singing hypnotist was conceived 
Um, well, like I say, it came out of a long period of research, of academic research, and yeah. at the British Library, I did a lot of looking into showmen, um, uh, who, and I was most interested in that intersection between showbiz and uh, and healing. Uh, this, you know, that kind of. So I, be, I really looked at. Um, stage hypnotists who wanted to become healers and I found lots of them um, yeah. the, the, it seems that they uh, that uh, intention uh, to want to kind of stand on stage and you know make a difference in people's lives often led to a, some, something a bit more humane than, than that and, and a bit more profound than that yeah. Uh, uh, so, and then from a sort of intellectual point of view, to answer your question, it was I, I kind of looked at power. I was really interested in power. Yeah. And it's kind of obvious that if you say, I am the hypnotist, I have the power, I will stand on stage and I will show you a transformation. That's an incredibly high status thing to do. Yeah. Um, and I wondered whether, you know, that's why the history of hypnosis is, is nearly always the history of men, um, you know, doing yeah. things on stage, often to women, um, not, not always, but certainly in the 19th century, it was very high status men doing things to sort of, you know, weak and fainting women. Um, and I, I wanted to look um, at the notion of, of presenting yourself as being powerful on stage and then giving away that power during the 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 50 minute hour long performance saying i have all the power and then gradually giving it away and that seemed to me to be a very moving thing to attempt and mm. that's what i'm that's what i'm trying to do so that by the end of it i go why did you even need me why did you think you needed me because ultimately any change that's going to happen in your life has got to be affected by you yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't all want to be trilbies, you know. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's 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 a really lovely sentiment, and, and you know, from my experience of 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 you and the, the the singing hypnotist, you know, very much that was that was there. Um, mm. um, I mean, you, you mentioned a reference to the nineteenth century, um, and and your study and your exploration of that era. Um, mm. there is a sort of um um a, a sort of early theme of that era. Um, um was that was that. Is that something that, that is, is purposely a focus um, or is that part of the entertainment or is that part of sort of history of hypnosis that was interesting? And, and perhaps you could tell us a little bit about the, the, the influence of that year or the, the influence of the sort of periods of time um, um, that are represented in the show. I think it's primarily useful for me aesthetically. Yeah, um, because it's a it, it's a trope that we all recognise, isn't it? That sort of yes. traveling, um hypnotist, and it's something that's been perpetuated in in popular culture, whether high high culture or trashy pop culture, for a long, long time. And so, and I think it's often useful to use um, those cliches. Um, and and stage hypnotists have been doing it forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's, absolutely. It's like it's a myth built on a myth built on a myth built on a myth. <laughs> So, and and it would seem foolish for me to kind of ignore that. Um, so there's so in terms of the look, it's definitely got a sort of 19th century kind of showman look with a little bit of a 70s twist, just because I like that yes. myself. Um, and um, and musically, I wanted to do something that felt very um, uh, hymn-like in a way. That's maybe yeah. that's not quite the right word, but 19th century and. And, and I was inspired by um, these kind of that huge explosion of uh, odd religions that, that flowered during the Victorian period, a lot of which we shipped over to America. We exported our dysfunction. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so some of the songs deliberately are a little bit like songs that would have been sung in kind of odd little gatherings. Um, by by some obscure religious sect, um, and that all seemed to kind of feed into a, a hypnotic um, feeling. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, because of that, and you know, with the songs, um, I, I mentioned earlier, and one of the things I mentioned to you when we weren't recording is that you know, I was, I, I found your performance to be to be really quite moving at, at times, and and you know. It's rare that I get to say that about 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 my field in in the same way in a way that really excites me that I want to kind of involve my wife in and things like that um, and and it sort of I think it's it sort of made the one of the things that made the difference obviously is the fact that there was 
the words were sung instead of spoken mm. um and, and that made a profound difference and so, something seemingly so simple made such a profound difference you know perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your own um you know your own experiences with regards to how how song then differs from the spoken word w with regards to hypnosis uh, in particular where it's used on stage and you know whether you think the the mechanics are different as a result I think it adds a layer of um, artifice, um, and that's and that can be a really good thing, you know. I'm I, I'm sure I'd be really interested to see what a lot of your um, you know participants and regular listeners uh, would think. But you know, I'm sure a lot of people could be um, helped just by taking them into a small room and giving them a bit of a talking to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but but the the, the um, vocabulary of um, of hypnosis helps, doesn't it? Mm. Do you know what I mean? The, 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 and in a way, the, the theatricality of hypnosis is really useful, even if it is just the two of you in a very small consulting room. You know, the fact that you're entering into a sort of theatrical construct is 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 really useful. And I think um, I'm just upping that by using songs. Um, and they are, you know, they're pleasant. Um, they, they, you know, it's, yeah. it's it's a nice thing to participate in. Um, but it it's it means also that I don't really have to. The, the, often hypnotists have the sort of hypnotic voice. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, I didn't really um, have to choose one of those. You yeah. know, because I have my singing voice, so I don't have to do that kind of look deep into my eyes voice, yeah. you know. yeah turn into a hush fm dj absolutely and that and that again is a distancing thing that in some cases isn't very useful um i suppose what all i'm saying is i'm choosing a distancing um mechanism that that i think is is useful for me yeah um and also there's a there's a whole thing for me personally is that i'm i think i'm ready as a performer to do something more more personal um, yeah. and to be vulnerable on stage you know my my history as a performer is has nearly always been me pretending to be another character um, who's very different from me and I'm I think over the last few years I've become ready to to be more honest and more open but what I don't want to do is go on stage and say Hey, here's here's a bunch of songs I've written all about myself and my pain, um, yeah. because that the notion of doing that kind of makes me feel a bit sick. Yeah. Um, so I think I've come up with a mechanism in the singing hypnotist to be open and vulnerable and um, honest, um, but without being too sort of yucky and oversharing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, that's really interesting because you know I, I think there's a there's a dilemma for for therapists, for example. You know, therapists that use hypnosis. Um, um, to think about, you know, an appropriate use of personal self-disclosure, you know, where mm. it becomes, where it just becomes, you know, potentially narcissistic and self-indulgent, or whether it actually becomes um, um, useful for somebody to, um, to, to, to hear that, um, and, and whether it becomes useful in a therapeutic fashion. But also, you know, d d to come back to one of your earlier points, one of the things I find fascinating is that perhaps you know the, the song perhaps that the, the fact that things are being sung here um, um does offer a framework that that makes hypnosis um makes hypnosis even potentially more more hypnotic you know mm -hmm. i mean I, I know lots of lots of hypnotherapists use use music in their therapy rooms for example and and um, i I think when you have the framework of hypnosis, there's a very particular type of response, you know, and there's, there's lots of evidence, for example, to suggest that when something is just labelled as hypnosis, people respond in a certain way and, and we get to use certain language and we get to offer up certain idiosyncrasies that, you know, you, you couldn't do if you were chatting to friends at the pub, you know, certain language that you would use or certain mannerisms and so on, like the affectation of a hush FM DJ type tonality, for example. But I think that, you know, when something's sung, the frame becomes very different. I think it's really disarming. And, um, um, you know, I, 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 for me, it's difficult for me to work out how much, how much to apportion to you, because what you do, you know, you do so well and so beautifully, and how much to, um, how much to, to, to apportion that, that response that I had to it to the fact that things were being sung. Mm. And um, um, you know it's fascinating, and it's um, fascinating to encounter. 
Um, well, it's um, it's a huge irony, isn't it? Because the, <laughs> the 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 thing that is most often described as as hypnotic is is music, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Like people hear a song and they go, "Oh, it was really dreamy and hypnotic and whatever." But actually, so when I got into the Brit British Library archives and I I wanted to find the singing hypnotist because I thought that there must have been somewhere in the history of popular entertainment a stage hypnotist who sang. It just it just was so obvious to me. I just thought that they hadn't become really famous. And I don't think there ever has been. Um, yeah. and, and so there, there were a handful of songs about, about hypnosis. I mean, literally a handful. And I sing one of them in the, in the show called It Must Have Been Spengali in Disguise, a sort of yeah. popular song from the, um, from the 1910, from around 1910. Um, um, but yeah, nobody does what what I'm doing. I think I don't think anyone's ever done it, and it's it's a, a huge irony. I don't know why because yeah. songs, music has that effect. Yeah, well, absolutely, and, and there is, uh, you know, there are references throughout history of song being used. For, for 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 kind of potentially manipulating. I mean, off yeah. the top of my head, I'm thinking of sirens. You know, um, yeah, um, sirens, these beautiful sirens um, lulling sailors to crash their ships and so on. And yeah. and you know how music and uh, can have a very beguiling effect. And um, um, although. Uh, I don't necessarily feel comfortable portraying hypnosis as as being utterly beguiling. It it, it does seem to 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 lend itself well to to hypnotic effect, um, um, song and music and um, um, heck, there's an entire uh, there's an entire subculture based around trance music for it's goodness sake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so you know, when you've been performing as the singing hypnotist. Yeah. Um, um, can you tell us a little bit, you know, have there been some sort of stand standout experiences and perhaps some learnings while performing as the singing hypnotist? Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm glad that I'd seen quite a few demonstrations, quite a few uh, people talking and doing demonstrations before, um, because a couple of times people have got a little bit stuck, you know, just even with classic yeah. sort of hand ra raises and things like that. And, um, uh, you know, so I... I, I yeah, there's been a couple of kind of nervy moments where I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> that woman is not going to stop doing this. And she's starting to freak out. Um, so, you know, in the early days, those were the things that really stayed with me. I mean, uh, I find one of the things I think as well, you know, a stage performer will have, will have a certain degree of artistic license in as much as if people are not responding, they can... They can sort of go back and start to tailor things and start to edit what they're doing and what they're offering. Mm. Um, do, do you think that perhaps you know potentially at times you, you know that that the potentially there's a, there's a confine within the song and you know it needs to be it needs to be so good and people need to be so responsive potentially that perhaps the song confines the ability to be able to do that. Uh, that was I was really worried about that and that's why. Um the execution of it took a long time right yeah um, to make so there is in, there is lots of opportunity um for me to um where the music just carries on and i will i can just turn to the to the participants and say um you know uh, let yourself go relax blah 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 you know you right. can move your hands it's fine yeah. you know so there, there's flexibility built in at quite a lot of points yeah in song and there's also sort of moments for improvisation in the song so i can actually oh, do that within oh. within the song well you so, know i mean that that, that was so I, seamless um that was so seamless when when i saw it you know i i wouldn't have believed that um um so you know that, that that's lovely to hear yeah um yeah it's I, I think I was really worried about that, so I, that's why I kind of held off for a long time in trying to make that. And then actually, it's kind of fine. I mean, you, you know, you know what it's like. Y you are being flexible with your with the things you're saying, but it's only within a range of options, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, unless somebody is to totally having a, a strange ab reaction, you know, you're going, you, you're only going to use one of four or five kind of responses. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not like a it's a huge amount of improvisation. Yeah. Um, and with regards to, um, you know, for me personally, I've always had a relationship with hypnosis and the people that that I hypnotize that, you know, sort of educating them about the hypnotic experience has always been 
really important to me, you know, correct level of expectation and things along those lines. Um, how, how does that get delivered? Or I mean, if at all, within, within the Singing Hypnotist show, you know, is that, is that sung? Is that um, something that you'll, you, you'll talk to them about? Or, or, or is that, you know, is there an absence of that? No, I play, I do, I do tackle that. So at the beginning, as I say, I come out and sort of really play the all powerful Oz figure, if you like. So I say, I am the singing hypnotist, I know. Um, And I, then I say to them very, very early, um, what's your um, expectation? And I say, sit quietly with yourself and just be honest with yourself about what your, what your fears are. and, And perhaps more importantly, what your fantasy is. Um, if if you think that I can accomplish something with you or I can set you free to achieve that thing that you really know you can achieve, you know, what's your fear or your fantasy about coming to see me? And then I say, and now turn to the person next to you and discuss it with them. Um, so, so I really deal with expectation in a very... Um, uh, very concrete way and then as I say for me it's all about confounding those expectations so I then by the end I'm saying why did you think that I could do that for you you know you're the one who can do that yeah yeah or the one who can set yourself free yeah because again you know part of my own education um, of, of, of clients and of uh, listeners and, 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 and the people that I communicate with within this field, it, it is always too a move of um, through a process of you know initial collaboration. This is something we do together, something that you actively engage in. You you, you then become equipped with with skills and and so on. And um, I'm, I'm, ultimately, the idea is that you you're empowered and you go away and are able to apply this stuff in, in your life. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I think that, that comes across. Um, yeah, I mean that within a space of an hour, really. In the, in yeah, the yeah. And um, the one thing I am uh, concerned about the, 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 every time I do it, um, and so what I'm working on for when I, when I do it a lot next year, is um, a, a sort of handout that I give to people at the end. Because what tends to happen is that lots and lots of people wait to talk to me afterwards. And yeah. they very specific questions and you know where should I go to find out about this should I see a hypnotherapist uh, who, who shouldn't I go to who should I go to can it help with this can it help with this yeah. um, I think I you know saw a bad hypnotist 10 years ago and I've never been right since you know all these kind of things yes and and I think um, what I should do is instead of getting into lots of individual kind of pseudo counseling in, in <laughs> the wrong context uh, you know after a show I, I'm going to prepare um, I, I, the show is supported by the Wellcome Trust, yeah. um, and so I do have two um, scientists who I'm working with um, who, who support me in that way, and so I'm going to get them to help me prepare this kind of little booklet that I hand out. Um, as it, really doing what you're saying, um, it, it, it's another tool um, for me saying, okay, over to you now. Yeah, yeah. And and you know the 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 kind of um, hypnotic phenomena. I mean, I I don't want to give anything away about the show. One of the things I was really concerned about when when talking today, and I was I, I I was really excited about a couple of elements of it. But I you know I don't want to I I don't want to sort of r- remove that that surprise for anybody that's thinking of going and and seeing your show and experiencing it. Um, um but. Um, some of the phenomena that is elicited within the show, um, within the people that that come up on stage, um, um, it, you know, it's it's very real, and it's mm-hmm. it, and it's you know very very similar to the stuff that you see stage hypnotists elicit, and mm-hmm. you know, if, if nothing else, I mean, obviously, it's it's much more, it has many more dimensions than that than that. But the kind of stuff that we were singing, um, the, the kind of stuff that we were singing as, as a member of the audience um, um, being elicited, um, <clears throat> it was almost at times like the volume tended to, to enhance the responsiveness, almost, you know, uh, moving their arms higher as, 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 as kind of your voice went up. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I kind of, I really loved that. I loved that idea, uh, you know, and and... Uh, the use of voice and the use of your voice and the use of the music and and everything else that went into the eliciting of phenomena um, um was 
Is that something that you've done consciously um, um, and, and the, the, the use of certain types of phenomena that, that your, your participants are engaged in, was there, was, there, was there some conscious thought with regards to what you would do and what you would demonstrate with that? Uh, definitely, because the um, as we say, there is there is this sort of uh, narrative in stage hypnotism or or in demonstrations, isn't there? That you know it, you you have to show it has to build up to something. Yeah. Um. So that this was a really big question for me was well, what does it build up to if it doesn't build up to running around and pretending to be a chicken? Or pretending to be Madonna live on stage at Wembley Arena. Do you know what I mean? The yes. classic, the classic things. What, um, what do I want to encourage, to inculcate that that is ev is is evident to the audience, but doesn't make the participants on stage um, uh, too vulnerable or, or or the butt of a joke. Yeah, that that was why I got stuck on that for a really long time, and and then the answer is, and you know, there's no, there's nothing really to give away, is incredibly simple, which is it's kind of joy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, absolutely. That's the answer, and and I remember, um, you know, walking walking home one day and going, oh, it's joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which which is really apparent in the show and and really apparent in the participants. You know, they all came off stage with massive, great, big, wide smiles on their on, on you know on their faces. Um, but likewise, you know, obviously there is um, um, some some opportunity for the audience to participate. You know, should they choose. And you know, it was it was an expression of joy throughout the audience as well. You know, I, I think absolutely that comes across. And the the way that the end of the show works, and again, it's, it's not giving anything away. I don't mind giving it away. Um, is that I, I abruptly after that point, I just abruptly change it, um, and there's this sort of gimmick really, um, where I say um, I don't really do conventional hypnosis, but there's nothing to stop the audience um, hypnotizing the hypnotist. Yeah. Um, and so then I just turn the whole thing onto me. So the last two elements of the show are all, are all about me as a sort of conduit for everyone else. So the audience read a script, um, a very conventional hypnotic, um, induction, um, in which they then, um, uh, invite me to realize my full potential and set myself free. <laughs> and then I sort of say, oh, great, okay, I, oh, I can be whatever I want to be. Well, I always really sort of just want to be a pop star. And so the yeah. end of it just ends with a very, you know, uplifting kind of sing-along R&B song in which everyone just has fun, you know. But it's done, um, and that was deliberate as well because I didn't want to just say, right, have fun, have fun, have fun. Yeah. You, know? um, you will have fun. <laughs> I wanted to, you know, lead the way at that point and make it about me. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, you know, that's what we've touched on before. That is the whole point of this thing for me. And there's a line in one of the songs in which the singing hypnotist is questioning, why should people listen to me? And it's called Listen to the Sound of My Voice. And he's saying, I say this all the time in the show, listen to the sound of my voice. Well, why should you? And, and, and he's like, well, is it because I'm powerful? Is it because I'm brainier than you? Is it because I'm all of these things? And then, and then he, he come, I come to the conclusion that it's because I, I've just been there like everyone else has. And that's my, that's my qualification. And so there's a line, um, when you've been lost, you understand the lost, understand loss. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not saying I'm any different from anyone else. I'm just, I'm just standing up here with an invitation to, to let go of a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I could discuss this nonstop, um, um, over and over. We're 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 about where we where we need to be with time. Mm. Um, um, Chris, you know, you know, I I've said to you, um, um, before, I'm I'm desperate to get to to your shows. You know, I can't wait until 
um, um, there are dates and things because you know I, I'm going to be there with a big group, a big gang of us from Bournemouth right. that are that are going to be coming. Mm. Um, um, thank you ever so much for coming and sharing and exploring the singing hypnotist um, with me today. Um, for anybody listening, um, do go and follow the links. Go and explore a bit more about what the singing hypnotist is about. And if you have the opportunity to go and watch any of the shows next year or any stage in the future, please do. I think you'll be delighted that you did. Um, Chris, thank you very much indeed for coming and being part of Hypnosis thank Weekly. You. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for your support. It's great. I thoroughly enjoyed that discussion. Do be sure to go and check out Chris's website and follow his work. And also look out for me at his upcoming shows if you yourself attend, because you can buy me a gin in the bar afterwards to thank me for having introduced you to the show and being responsible for you having such an enjoyable evening. Now on to the hypnosis factoid of the week. There is a genetic influence on individual hypnotizability. Yes, indeed. You know, if hypnosis is influenced by certain genetic processes, we would expect to find that hypnotizability would show stability across time in the same individual. And this is indeed the case in that high test and retest correlations have been observed for hypnotic susceptibility that's been measured over 10, 15, and even 25 years. And that was conducted in a study by Piccioni and colleagues in 1989. Furthermore, there is a substantial correlation of different hypnotic susceptibility measures. And that was a study by Bowers in 1983. Now, using such designs as twin studies, we should also be able to compute the amount of variance in hypnotizability related to genetic factors, and that related to environmental, social influences, for example. Unfortunately, there's not a huge amount of studies that have examined that question, but the initial two that there have been have showed that heritability of susceptibility is among the highest of any psychological, psychological individual difference measure identified to date. And the two studies were Morgan and colleagues in 1970, and Morgan in 1973 replicated such. And this data was then replicated further in a dissertation by Robert Rawlings at the University of New South Wales in 1977. And the data from two different continents suggest that hypnotic susceptibility varies among individuals and that the similarity in identical twins reflects a strong genetic component. So there you have it. I mean, in some of the studies as well, identical twins that have obviously that the similar same genetic structure were far more impressive than uh, non-identical twins who have only about 50% common genetic structure. Um, it's fascinating stuff for sure. Now then, if you want a reminder of our ongoing competition, do go and listen to either episode eight or nine of Hypnosis Weekly and keep tuned for me using that special word, or perhaps I used it today. In our next edition, I'll be welcoming the very lovely Dr. Brian Rowett, author, hypnotherapist, speaker and trainer, who was a former professional sportsman and anaesthetist in Australia before he settled here in the UK. I'll be interviewing him and we'll be discussing some of the fundamental elements to his favourite therapeutic interventions. I have many more exciting guests here in future weeks. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating and above all, remaining friends. To repeat, all the references made in the discussions today, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions, so do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website, and I'll make sure they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter or anywhere else, and really help us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks go to the amazing Chris Green, and thanks to you for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.